Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy the sermon from our series, Followers, a study on the specs. For more information about specs or how to get involved with CBC, visit us on the website, cbcsavannah.com. Father in heaven, it is hard to say something truer than you are all we need. Oh, and this morning, we want to lift you high above all names, Lord God, we do. We want you to be lifted high in our hearts. This morning, Lord God, we want to see you. We want to connect to you, Lord. God, we believe in you. We don't think you're just an idea. We don't think you're far off. You are a God that can be known and wants to be known. You've proved that through your son. And so I pray right now in his name that you would draw us to you. Lord, that you would come and be among us, that you would speak to us, that you would transform us, that you would encourage us and build us up. Lord, we want to follow you. Teach us how to do it. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, Dee, can you turn me down just a touch? Be awesome. Um, You guys can turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing our our, uh, series called Followers. So taking five weeks to look at five different characteristics that ought to be true in increasing measure of followers of Christ. And we're using Matthew chapter 16 to kind of launch our series. And you guys will remember in Matthew 16, Jesus said this. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Okay. And then he made this awesome promise that if we would take him up on that, if we would lose our lives for his sake and begin to follow him, then we'd actually find exactly what we're looking for. We'd find the satisfaction and the joy and the meaning that we're looking for in following him. So we believe that this promise is still true, which is why we're doing this series. Okay, now at the the risk of oversimplifying what it means to follow Jesus, we've come up with an acronym, the specs of a disciple, or the, the specifications of a disciple. So these are five things that should be true about every single follower of Christ in increasing measure. And we believe that if these things will become a part of our life, that more and more and more will find the life that we're looking for. Okay, so last week, David did a great job starting us off. We looked at the S and specs. And if you guys could remind me of the S and specs, well done. Nice job, David, if you're listening in on the podcast. <laughs> He's out of town. Um, today, we're turning our attention to the P and Specs. Anybody know what the P and Specs is? Prayer. Okay, we are looking at prayer today. Followers of Christ are people who pray. Now, most of y'all are probably thinking, uh, no duh. Followers of Christ are people who pray. We, we know that. But friends, let's just get real for a minute. A lot of us view prayer like a lot of us view working out. We, we know that we should probably do it, but we just don't do it. 
right? And maybe somebody comes along and motivates us and we think, man, I gotta start working out. And so you're like, all right, this time it's different. This time I'm gonna do it. And so you get your gym membership, you go get your Lululemon outfit and you have all these visions of grandeur going to the gym with calisthenics and plyometrics and circuit training. And so day one comes and you, you head to the gym and uh, those insecurities start to rise up a little bit. So you just look at the weight room and then you kind of head over to that recumbent bike. That's a safe zone. I can live on the recumbent bike for a couple of weeks. So you do that for a little while. Last couple of weeks, or if you're more disciplined than most of us, maybe it lasts a month. But then something comes up. Ah, man, I just, I just don't feel like it today. Or, or I'm busy. It's just not convenient. Besides, I mean, there's that guy in there doing military presses with Volkswagens, and I just, I don't, I don't know if it's for me, right? That's you. <laughs> we got a couple of those guys in here. Richard Rowe, that's you. Um, and so, because, because the, the difficulty or the inconvenience of working out seems to outweigh its rewards, we just give up on it. And it's the exact same with prayer. Y'all, as followers of Christ, we know we ought to pray. And every once in a while, we get motivated to pray. And so we go over to Lifeway, and we find a little journal with some verse from 2 Chronicles on it. We think, man, I'm going to start a little prayer journal. Or we think, man, I'm going to make prayer a part of my daily routine. I'm going to pray with my spouse or my family. And maybe we get going a little bit. But over time, I just don't have time. Or, or today, this, is, this other thing's more important. Besides, I've heard people pray, and they pray like, oh, Lord God, thou knowest thine hast propitiated my life by thy bloodest, and sanctifiest me for glory. You're like, man, I can never pray like those guys. It's just, I don't know. Prayer may just not be for me. And because the inconvenience and the difficulty of prayer seems to outweigh its reward, a lot of us just don't pray. And we go through life spiritually lethargic. But friends, there is so much reward to be found in prayer. In fact, when Matt, in, in, uh, in Matthew 6, when Jesus has, teaches his followers how to pray, he doesn't just tell us what to do. He promises reward. And so today, I don't want to give us like a how-to pray. I don't want to give you a list of tips to improve your prayer life. I want to help us see and understand the very real rewards of prayer. Okay, one, one Frenchman from the last century said this. He said, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather the wood, divide the work, and give orders. Instead, teach the men to yearn for the vast and endless sea. And so what I want us to do this morning is to yearn for the vast and endless rewards in prayer. So it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be peppered with a lot of stories of answered prayer because my hope is that at the end of today, we would see the privilege that we have to come to the God who hears. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 13, guys, the word of God is a gift to us. Um, Again, almost 2 billion don't have it. We should be thankful this morning. Let's hear the words of the Lord. Matthew 6, 7 through 13. I'm sorry, let's start in five. Forgive me. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. 
For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. If they think they'll be heard for their many words, don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, so right here in verse six, Jesus promises his followers reward when we pray. And what I wanna do today is highlight seven of them. Okay, so the first reward in prayer is this. Prayer connects us to God. The first reward about prayer is that prayer connects us to God. So in verse six, Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And then again in verse nine, when he instructs us to begin our prayer this way, our father in heaven. So let's just start very basic I think we can all grasp this first shelf, bottom shelf. Here's what prayer is. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is the way that human beings connect with God. So Jesus says, get alone, get quiet, and talk to God as a child talks to his father with the implication that he hears and he listens. Now, guys, please don't be bored with this, okay? So much of the problem of Christianity in America is we let things go in one ear and out the other. Think about prayer. We can talk to Almighty God. The God of the universe, we can connect to him. And he asks us to do it. I want you to think about this for a minute. Think about your favorite celebrity or, or somebody that you just love, your greatest role model. Okay, maybe, maybe it's Justin Bieber, right? Maybe it's Phil Mickelson. Now, if it's Phil Mickelson, you wouldn't be here this morning. You'd be at home watching. Um, whoever it is, an actor, an author, a politician, or a businessman, right? Who, somebody that you love. What if you met that person? And that person said to you, hey, if it would be okay with you, I'd love to set up a, a daily call for us just to connect. And, and any time you would ever want to talk about anything, man, I just, I want to be a resource for you and I'd never hesitate to reach out to me. I just want to have a relationship with you and so please take me up on it. Would you take that person up on it? We'd be foolish not to. Y'all, the God who spoke and made the world, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power, the one who is the source of all goodness and all pleasure, the son who came to become a man, to live a perfect life, who died for our sins and literally physically rose again, is now in heaven and you and I have access to him. We can connect to him. What an honor. What a reward. 
Friends, have you ever had those moments? I hope you have. Where you are alone with the word of God and you are praying to God and you just sense connection with him. And you know that because of what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf, he has become your father. And he loves you and his goodness is toward you. And you just sense this approval that you have with God and this connection that you have with God. It is such a sweet gift. Friend, through prayer, we are able to connect with God. We are able to commune with him. And this is an extraordinary reward. Okay, but prayer doesn't just connect us to God. It also aligns us with God. This is the second reward we see in prayer. Prayer aligns us with God. Look, look with me at verses 9 and 10. Jesus teaches us to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Y'all notice that, that Jesus instructs his followers to start by praying for God's name and for God's kingdom and for God's will. Okay, before we bring our own desires, before we bring our own purposes, before we bring our own passions, we're instructed to come to the Father and submit to him that his name would be made holy, that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done. And as we submit to God in prayer, the most wonderful thing happens. God starts to align our hearts with his heart. He starts to cause us to value the things that he values. He causes us to start to love the things that he loves. Okay, and it's, it's the most awesome reward when this happens. And I'll tell you a story about me when I was back in college. So came home from church one day with a couple of buddies to the house of a couple who had just kind of welcomed us in. They, were, they had sort of just adopted us. And um, we, we loved praying, man. And we thought the longer the prayer, the better back in those days. So we just wanted to commit the afternoon to prayer. And um, we get about an hour in and I start going crazy. I mean, I'm like, dude, I don't know how much longer I can go. I said, fellas, we got to do something. We got to do something. So we pray again, Lord, what would you have us to do? And one of the guys speaks up and he says, well, God's putting pretty strong in my heart, widows and orphans. I'm thinking, well, it's a biblical desire. Um, here's the problem. We're, we're living in a city that we didn't grow up in. We hardly know any adults. We definitely don't know any wid widows or orphans, so we really don't know what to do. So we're just sitting there trying to figure out how we might reach out to widows or orphans on this Sunday afternoon, and all of a sudden, the upstairs door bursts open, and the doctor whose house we were at says, hey, I got a job for you boys. We're like, okay. He says, the last 30 minutes, I've been on the phone, on the phone with a patient of mine. She's 78. She lost her husband two years ago. And she's crying on the phone because she's got nobody. Would you boys be willing to go hang out with her? This guy had no clue what we had been doing. No clue what we had been talking about. And so we drive over to this lady's house and we pray with her, talk to her, sing with her. People kept hanging out with her for months after this. But here's the point. When we pray, God will align our hearts with his heart. And when he does, it's the most awesome thing. And here's the thing, this doesn't just happen in, in big ways like that. It happens in subtle ways, it happens in little ways. And it's so important. Because y'all, we are sinful people who live in a sinful world. And as we go throughout the course of life, we start adrift. 
And our desires start to drift from God's desires. And our mindsets just kind of start to take on the mindsets of the world. And prayer provides this awesome environment for us to come back to God and to reconnect with him and for us to reshape and realign our desires. And he'll do this if we'll just come to him. He'll reveal the sin that's there. He'll reveal how we may have wronged somebody. And then he'll start to detach us from our own sinful desires and start to attach us to his perfect desires and his perfect purposes. And you guys, this is awesome. It's a reward. Prayer has this way of just putting us on the same page with God. And we're silly to miss out on it. Okay, so prayer connects us to God. Prayer aligns us with God. But the rewards don't just have to do with our relationship with God. The rewards also kind of fall out into into our relationships with other people. Unlike anything else I know, you guys, prayer has the ability to unite us to one another. Unlike anything else I know, prayer can unite us to one another. Okay, and in verse 12, Jesus hits this person-to-person element. When he tells us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. All right, now I want you to think about something for a minute. Would you be comfortable to pray this to God? God, in the same way that I've forgiven people who have wronged me, I want you to forgive me that way. In the same way that I've forgiven people who've wronged me, I want you to forgive me that way. Where would that put your relationship with God? For some of us, it might be a little rocky. You see, prayer has this awesome way of moving us into unity with God and unity with other people. And it it happens in two ways, you guys. One way is that when, when both parties are praying, Lord, your name be hallowed, your kingdom come, your will be done, then we start arriving at the same place. Okay, but here's the second way that prayer might unify us. When we come to God and we realize, like it says in verse 14 in this passage, that he's not going to forgive me unless I forgive other people, then your, your heart starts to change a little bit. Then your heart starts to, to say, God, help me to forgive these people. Help me to forgive this person with all my heart. Help me to forgive them the way that you have forgiven me. See, prayer moves us into unity with other people. Y'all, there is nothing, just no medicine better for relational conflict than prayer. Okay, let, let me tell you how this works. When there is relational conflict in your marriage or in your family or at work, here's what we need to do. Each individual needs to go to God. And we need to say, Lord, show me where I am sinning. Show me where I am not aligned with you. Show me where I am wrong. And guess what? God will answer that prayer. He answered it for me a couple times this week. (laughs) He did. He wants to answer that prayer. And then when you see, oh gosh, there is sin in my heart, then we can come to God. We can look to the cross of Jesus Christ who died for us to save us from our sins. And we can say, Lord, forgive me for this. Forgive me, and in the same way that you've forgiven me, help me extend that forgiveness to other people. And then you go to that other person, and instead of pointing out their flaws, you say, dude, I've sinned. I have sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And when you do that, and when they do that, guess what happens? Unity. 
This is how relationships are restored. This is how marriages are saved. And when we take this prescription from God, allow prayer to lead to unity, y'all, it is such a reward. When you go from tension and division to oneness, it is a gift from God. So prayer has all these rewards for our relationships, for our relationships with God and for our relationships with each other. Okay, but the rewards go even beyond relationships. Look, for, look with me at the beginning of verse 13. We're going to see this truth that prayer directs us. Okay, the next reward, prayer directs us. Verse 13. Jesus tells us to pray, lead us not into temptation. Okay, so here Jesus tells his followers to pray where, where we shouldn't go. Lead us away from where we shouldn't go. But the New Testament, y'all, is also filled it is filled with examples of people who pray to God, God, lead me. God, direct me. God, show me where you want me to go. And then the Spirit of God clearly answering that prayer. See it in Acts 8, Acts 13, Acts 16, Acts 20. It's all over the place. Okay, and it wasn't something that just happened, y'all, a long time ago. This is one thing I want us to see so bad from this sermon. Answered prayers are not just a biblical thing. Okay, they're a right now thing. Most of y'all know Stag Wheeler, at least you've seen him seen him up here so far. Um, we do apologize for putting him on the stage as ugly as he is. That might cause some of y'all to stumble. But anyway, gosh, not, not, not many last. Greg, thank you, Steg. I'm sorry. Steg's one of my best buddies. It'd be hard for me not to make fun of him. Anyway, so um, Steg was the director of crew at Alabama last year. Okay, and this spring when um, the Lord led Matt Davis to move to over to be the pastor of care for our church which is a huge need for us. We needed somebody to come in and do college ministry. So we called Steg and we said, Steg, dude, we want you to pray and see if the Lord is leading you here. And we're gonna pray. And y'all, in my heart, I wanted to just try to convince him this is where you need to be. I wanted to talk him into it because I had selfish motives. But we just said, hey, dude, you pray, I'll pray, we'll pray, and let's see what happens, okay? So Steg starts praying. And one day, he's going to commit this day to fasting and prayer. And so he goes to the quad at Alabama, and he puts his headphones in, and he starts praying to God. It looked like he was talking on the phone. He wanted to seem like a total lunatic. So he's walking around praying, and he literally prays this prayer. He says, Lord, would you show us if we need to go to Savannah? Would you make, would you make that clear and give us peace about that in Jesus' name? And literally, as soon as those words come out of his mouth, this guy turns from 15 feet away and starts walking right toward him. Shoulder to shoulder, just square on. And Stead kind of double takes at him. And the guy has a sweatshirt on that says, Savannah, Georgia, established 1733. <laughs> and Stead stops him and he goes, dude, are you from Savannah? The guy goes, no. He goes, have you ever been to Savannah? He goes, no. <laughs> Walks away. True story, okay? Hey, let, let me tell you another story. Wasn't planning on saying this, but I have a conversation last night with one of our guys who's about to finish up college. He's in college um, right outside Chicago, and he's been praying. He, he's had this plan for his life, to go into medical school and to be a doctor. He's taking the MCATs this week, and he starts praying all summer. He's in turmoil because he feels like God might be putting ministry on his heart. And, and he, he just can't shake it. So he's, he's in agony praying about this. Well, last night, he and his fiance go out um, to share the gospel with some folks. And 
they're having no luck. I mean, everybody's turning them down, just no interest at all. And then his fiance sits down with a couple girls and, um, you know, he feels like, man, it's me and three girls. I got nothing to do here. So she needed a pen. Well, he asked the 65-year-old man sitting across the way for a pen. Well, the guy goes, no, I don't have a pen. I normally do. I'm sorry, I don't. So Ryan says, uh, you know, I might, I might as well just talk to this guy. So he goes over and he says, hey, man, you got any, you got any spiritual beliefs? And they, they strike up this conversation, okay? Well, the guy, turns out he's a pastor. He's just lost his wife. He's having a really, really difficult time. And he stops the conversation and he looks at Ryan and he says to him, he has not heard Ryan say hardly any words yet. He looks at him and he goes, you've got a big decision to make. You can either hang on to your plans for your life and your control for your life, or you can follow God completely. What are you gonna do? He had no clue about Ryan's circumstance. Ryan has been agonizing over this prayer over and over and over again. And so sure enough, Ryan flips out, tells the guy what, what has happened, and the guy starts crying. And he says, you know what? I was taking this other highway home, and for some reason, I just pulled my car this way. And I came here and I sat down on this bench. What's my point? God still directs us. And he directs us through prayer. And y'all, in a room this size, there is no doubt that lots of us need direction for where to go and what to do. Some of you guys are rising seniors in high school and you got huge decisions to make about where to go to college. Some of you guys are finishing up college and you're praying about where you might work or, or if it's time to get married or, or when to have kids or when to adopt or if I need to make a job change, if I need to move cities. Some of you guys are praying about how to finish your life strong. When do I retire? How do I do that? Best advice I got is this, and it comes from a guy who's just about to start law school, good buddy of mine in our congregation. Other week I asked him, I said, dude, if you're sitting down with Jesus, you had a legal pad, and you could write out just your plans for your life, what would that look like? He goes, oh, I got plans. He goes, I got, I got some plans. But let me, let me tell you what I'd hope I'd do. I hope I would slide that legal pad back across the table to Jesus and say, you write the story. And friends, through prayer, we can do that. Through prayer, we can come to Jesus and we can slide that legal pad back across the table and we can say, you lead me. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'm yours. And he'll lead you. Okay, so prayer directs us. It's an awesome reward when he does, but he doesn't just direct us. He also protects us. He also protects us. Look at the last half of verse 13. Jesus tells us to pray, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. When followers of Jesus face temptation, when we are in circumstances that seem terrible, when it seems like there is evil on all sides, we are commanded to pray. And in Psalm 50, 15, one of my favorite verses for a time like this, God says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. I want you to think about how that works. God, God has this whole thing rigged, by the way, people. God says, you're in trouble, call upon me. I'll deliver you. And then when I deliver you, that brings me great glory. We get the freedom that we need so bad and he gets to put his power and goodness on display that results in our celebration and our praise of him. When we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, when we find ourselves up against evil, we've got to pray. 
And y'all, we saw the most awesome answered prayer earlier this year with a couple in our church, Robbie and Kelly Dean. Um, Almost 10 years ago, Kelly was diagnosed with cancer, multiple surgeries, chemotherapy. um, And this winter, the the cancer came back. And through multiple scans, they found um, a mass. And so they're, they're heartbroken, but they start to pray. And they tell other people to start to pray. So people start praying for this couple. Well, a week later, she goes in to get the surgery. It's gone. Completely gone. God had delivered this girl from cancer. Um, And he did it through prayer. And and now what's even more awesome is today, this couple, Robbie and Kelly, are in India adopting a baby from India. It's an awesome, awesome thing. But here's my point. God answers prayer. He has the power to protect us and he has the power to deliver us. And friends, let me be real, because I know some of y'all are going through very, very, very difficult things right now. I can't stand up here and say that every time you find yourself in a difficult, evil situation, that God is going to deliver you. I can't say that. Didn't do that in the Bible. Doesn't seem to do that now, sometimes until we're with him. But here's what I can say with confidence, and we need to believe it. The God that we pray to hears us. He holds the world in his hands. He has all power. He is good. And friends, some of the time, he will answer us. And so we ought to pray and believe. This means if you find yourself this morning trapped in sin, if you feel enslaved to something that you cannot control, you've got to call out to God. If you feel like your existence is characterized by brokenness and hurt and pain, then the first step is for you to pray. If there is sickness, pray for healing. Get people to pray with you. Y'all, our elders would love to pray with you. Come to one of our meetings. Let us pray for you. Get your community group praying for you. God will hear us. And some of the time he will answer. And when he does, you guys, it is such a reward. It is such a reward. What do you need God to do this morning? Have you brought it to him? Have you asked him and believed Sometimes that's all he's waiting for. When he delivers us, it's an awesome reward. Okay, for our last two um, rewards of prayer, I want to move from Matthew chapter 6 to John chapter 14. So we're moving from the beginning of Jesus' ministry to the last night of his life um, before he rose again. Um, He's had a lot of nights since then. Um, It's true. Um, But notice that even in the the night before he dies, he's still talking about the rewards of prayer, okay? So John chapter 14, uh, verse 12, and and before we do, here's our our next reward. Our next reward is that prayer accomplishes God's work. Prayer accomplishes God's work. Let me show you and then tell an awesome story. Um, Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Okay, again, hear this, hear this, you guys, with fresh ears. Jesus Christ is saying, hey, the same works that I did 
even greater works than these you're going to do. Okay, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He started a disciple-making movement that is still going 2,000 years later. And he says that we're going to do the same works and even greater works than he did. Now, we might try to explain that away. You can try to explain that away if you want. I'm not a huge fan of saying, hey, yeah, I know he's the Messiah, but I don't think he really meant that. Okay, so what he said, how can we do the same works that he did? Verses 13 and 14, okay? Stay with me. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. So how do we get in on the work of God? Well, we get in on the work of God through prayer. Jesus has now gone to the Father. Y'all, he is risen. He is alive. He has all power with him. And he says, hey, I'm with God now. You ask in my name. You ask according to my will, and I will act. And it will bring great glory to the Father when I do. Y'all, prayer accomplishes the work of God. This is crazy that we get to get in on this. Let me tell you a story how it works, okay? Um, D.L. Moody, uh, evangelist in the 1800s, mid to late 1800s, 1872. He's in Northern England doing a preaching tour, okay? And this pastor comes up to Moody and he says, hey, can you come preach at my church next Sunday? And Moody didn't want to do it. But the guy kept pestering him and so he, he agreed to it. So he, he goes to preach that Sunday morning at this church in Northern England. And that morning, after he preaches, he writes in his journal, uh, see the exact words, this is hilarious. He says, this is the deadest crowd I've ever seen and the only thing worse than preaching to them this morning is that I have to go back and preach to them tonight. <laughs> so he had a terrible experience, okay? So he goes back that night and he's halfway into his message and then here's how the story goes. The very atmosphere was charged with the spirit of God. There came a hush upon all the people and a quick response to my words, though I had not been much in prayer that day and could not understand it. And so Moody senses the, the temperature in the room change, right? People are listening, people are engaging, people are identifying with the things that he's saying. And so he, he feels compelled to offer this invitation. Hey, if any of you guys want to put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came and lived the perfect life that you should have lived, who died on the cross in your place for your sins and then rose from the dead and now wants to lead your way for the rest of your life. If any of you want to trust him and follow him, would you please stand up? And people all over the congregation start standing up. Well, Moody is, he's confused because of what happened that morning. So he, he he thinks maybe they don't understand. So he says, hey, listen, if, if you've stood up, why don't you meet me in the back room? We're gonna talk about this. So he dismisses the crowd. Everybody who stood up comes to this back room and he says, hey, now here's what I mean. I really want you to understand. He shares the gospel with them again, okay? Um, which let me, well, I'll tell you that later. All right. So he shares the gospel with them again. And if you'd like to receive this gift, stand up. Well, everybody in the room stands up. Well, he still is not buying it. So he says, listen, if you really want to become a Christian, you need to come back tomorrow night and talk to the pastor, okay? See you guys later. Well, the next night, more people show up than were even there the night before. And the pastor gets Moody back there, and for 10 days, Moody preaches at this church. And hundreds of people over the course of these 10 days trust Christ. Hundreds of them. And again, Moody is perplexed because he's thinking, man, I wasn't praying much. It, 
I'm preaching the same sermons I preach other places. Why is this happening here? So he starts asking all around, hey, who's, who's praying? You know of anybody who's praying about this? And before long, he gets pointed to this one young girl who Moody's Journal said that she was twisted and distorted through suffering. She couldn't get out of bed. But a number of years earlier, she had heard about D.L. Moody. And every day, she started praying, God, bring this man to our church. Bring this man to our church. And over the course of the last 10 days, this young girl had been praying her guts out. And Moody attributed that whole work to that one girl who couldn't even get out of bed. Friends, prayer accomplishes the work of God. And let me just speak to you candidly this morning. You may think you are too old to be effective, or you may think you are too young to be effective. You may think, I can never go to this unreached people group. I can never sit in the, in the Oval Office with the president. I can never stop ISIS. I can never heal the racial divisions in our, in our country. I can never have the power to stop this legislation that's allowing children to be murdered in the womb. I can never stop sex slavery. I can never change any of this. Friend, you can pray. And when you pray, God acts. He does. Charles Spurgeon said, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. When we pray, God works. He does. And here's the awesome thing. He doesn't just accomplish the work through prayer, you guys. He also empowers us to be a part of the work by prayer. Okay, so he, he empowers us and then he accomplishes the work through us. These same guys that Jesus was talking to the night before he dies, two months later, I mean, they go from that night being cowards who betray him to two months later, Acts chapter four, their leaders, Peter and John, they get arrested and they get questioned and they get threatened, right? And you think, man, if, if this happens to anybody, they're just probably gonna skip town and go start doing their work in the other towns or they're gonna try to kind of keep it under control. What do they do? They go and pray they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they go right back out to do the same work. See, God loves to accomplish his work by empowering us to do it. And again, hey, this still happens. We had a guy in a discipleship group that I'm a part of. Um, two weeks ago, we, uh, we talk about how God answers prayers when we ask according to, to his will, okay? So this guy starts praying for an opportunity to share the gospel with some of his coworkers. Well, he was headed to drill that weekend and he's praying, God, open a door for me to share the gospel with somebody. So that, that had been his prayer all week. Well, after work one day, he opens up his Bible and he just starts reading. He needs to reconnect with God. And sure enough, one guy comes up, looks at him hostily, and he says, did you believe that junk? And our guy says, yeah, I do. And they start having this conversation. And before long, 30 guys from the unit are crowded around. And then one of those guys asks our guy about eternity. And our guy gets to humbly and lovingly share the gospel with all 30 of them. See, through prayer, God opened that door for him. And then through prayer, God empowered him to walk through that door and to be the answer essentially of his own prayer. Friends, God accomplishes work through prayer. Okay, and this leads us to our last point. When he does, prayer results in our joy. 
when God accomplishes his work through us and, and in all these things, really, prayer results in our joy. So this same guy, he came in last Monday morning, 6.30 in the morning, okay? And he comes in jacked up. I mean, he's so excited. And he tells us this story and then we get excited because prayer leads to joy. When we see God act, man, it provides this satisfaction that we're looking for, that we're longing for, y'all, that's not there in money and it's not there in toys and it's not there in a relationship. None of those things bring lasting satisfaction. But a connection to God does. And Jesus promised this later on in that same exact conversation that started in John 14. In John 16, 23 and 24, he says this to his followers. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Y'all, prayer leads to joy at every step. Okay, it leads to joy when you connect with God and you're alone with him and you know that he's got you and you belong to him. This results in great joy. Prayer brings great joy when our hearts become aligned with God and we start to love the things that he loves and care about the things that he cares about. Prayer brings great joy when it unites us to other people and when we move from division to unity. Prayer brings great joy when God directs us and he leads us and we know I am following my king. Prayer leads to great joy when he protects us and delivers us from difficult things. Prayer leads to great joy when God accomplishes his work through us. Friends, prayer leads to joy. There are so many rewards through prayer. We can't miss out on it. Now, as we close, maybe you're thinking this. All right, I, I see that there are rewards from prayer. Okay, I see that it is worth it. But what do I do? How do I get going? Right, practically, how do I make this a part of my life? Okay, um, because we don't have time to go into that today, what we did was we put a blog post up on the website yesterday. And so there is a blog that gives you kind of 10 practical steps of how you can get going in prayer if you're looking for some um, practical outlets. So please look at that, resource that if it's helpful. Um, as we close, let me say this, y'all. I can think of hardly anything that would bring God more pleasure and that would yield greater reward to us than if we became a group of followers of Jesus who are devoted to prayer. And I know sometimes it feels like working out. I know sometimes you don't feel like it. I know sometimes it's tiring. I know sometimes it seems like God is not answering. But friends, if you will talk to God as your father through Jesus, your savior, and you will persevere in this, we're gonna find a vast and endless sea of rewards. Let's pray. Father, we wanna praise you that you have given us the gift of prayer. We wanna praise you that you have won access for us to yourself so we can come to you as friends, so we can come to you as children. You've done it through Jesus Christ. You've done it because Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And now we have acceptance with you. Now you even take pleasure in us, Lord. And we just, we wanna be people who pray. Would you help us to grow in this, Lord? Would you help us to see the rewards? Would you give us just the, the, the passions? Would you give us the burdens even? to come to you in prayer. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us answers to prayer. 
Lord, answer prayers in our lives to the glory of your name that, that we would be um, freed and filled with joy and that you would get the glory you deserve. Pray in Christ's name, amen.